Hey, welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us. And uh, listen, we have a great program for uh, for all of you. And uh, it's great being here live. I'm looking at people both on the app and on YouTube. Uh, I want to thank all of you guys for joining us. And uh, if you would, like and subscribe, even hit the notifications. Helps us to be able to get the word out. Notifies anybody when uh, one of our videos is uh, coming. Uh, really appreciate that. But we have a lot to talk about today. So as I look where we are, we're going to pick up in Daniel. We've been in the book of Daniel. We'll be in Daniel chapter 8. We're going to talk about things to come. What's really fascinating about Daniel chapter 8 is we're dealing with history. However, in it we see this person, type of Antichrist, Antiochus Epiphanes, and he fits like a, uh, fits like a glove. If you want to get an idea of exactly what is coming, all you got to do is look at Daniel chapter 8, and you're going to be able to say, okay, we can tell what's coming for Israel. We can tell what is coming uh, for, uh, in fact, for the whole world. So we're going to be in Daniel chapter 8 here in just a second. Uh, Also, next Sunday night, we have a special premiere for you guys. Uh, I think you're going to be super blessed by it, so mark your calendars for that. You're not going to want to miss that. That is a week from today. It's going to be November 12th. Uh, Be sure to check it out. Joining me tomorrow uh, will be Billy Crone. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Pope and other things too, like the Fourth Reich with Klaus Schwab. These things that we aren't hearing much about, unless guys like you are paying attention, but we're so distracted right now. So Billy Crone's going to be joining me on Monday. Also, I'll be joining Billy and Ken Michael at uh, Pastor Billy's church in Las Vegas on Saturday and Sunday of this coming weekend. I hope if you're in the area uh, that uh, to see you guys there. It'll be great. I think you have to register for it. I think the registration is free. Uh, but uh, go ahead and uh, check that out. By the way, we have these rapture kits available. Um, these are great gifts for a loved one, or you put them in your pantry, or if you... Uh, store food and water and things like that. Listen, after we're raptured, your place is going to get raided by people who are left behind. And uh, this is really cool. Uh, It walks you right on through the Bible and what's going on in the world, what people can expect, and the hope that they have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, that's put out by I Am A Watchman. But you can check it out at the Hope For Our Times uh, website. All right. So I want to get going. Oh, by the way, also this week joining me, not just Billy tomorrow, J.B. Hickson will be joining me, and also uh, Brandon Holthouse is going to join me. Okay, so we're talking about things to come. And as I mentioned, when it comes to Daniel chapter 8, you have uh, a really good idea. You're going to get a really good idea of what is coming for Israel and the world, and you're going to have some aha moments in, in, in just a few minutes. But I thought I'd just share a few things with you. This first one, guys, you can pull it up as slide number two. Check it out. Look at this. What do you think about that? The National Museum of Palestinian History. It's empty. Uh, There you go. Empty. Why? Because there is no Palestinian history. No matter what people try to tell you, simply doesn't exist. You know, dealt with this many times before. Uh, Maybe we should do a message just on it. Um, I have one actually coming uh, at Brandon's conference coming in a couple of weeks, but there ain't no Palestinian history. Uh, You find no archaeology of the Palestinians. You'll find Roman, Greek, which we're going to talk about tonight, 
Um, we have all these other cultures, the Ottoman Empire and so forth, obviously Jewish history dating back to the time of David 3,000 years ago. You don't have Palestinian history because never existed, never had their own coins, none of those things. All right, check out this next one. Now this next, this next picture I'm going to show you, a picture says a thousand words, check it out. Um, it's slide number three, if you guys could pull that one up. Look what it says here. Can you read that? If you leave it up there for just a couple of seconds. Sanctuary City, and then look at the, the bottom of it. New York City welcomes immigrants. Now, as you look at that, I took that picture yesterday. I'm coming back from Mexico. We're, we're trying to do outreach into Mexico. We have really neat things coming back south of the border, uh, uh, coming up south of the border. I'm really excited about it. But if you could pull that picture back up. I want people to see it again. Check this out. I took this picture yesterday morning, 5 a.m. We're trying to cross the border. So this picture is taken from the Mexico side, right? Trying to cross the border to get into San Diego, California. I thought, wow, wow, wow. Look at that. Sanctuary City, New York City welcomes immigrants. Now, I want you to think about this as you look at that picture. Eric Adams, who is, I think he's the mayor of New York. He's saying, we don't want your immigrants. Well, apparently, they still do because somebody's money is paying for that sign in Mexico. That is a sign, folks, in Mexico. And anybody can tell me it's fake news. They can tell me, listen, I took that picture. I was sitting in the line to cross the border, and I looked at that, and I said, wow, look at this. Wow. Do you hear about this? No. They are actually advertising. This either comes from New York City itself or the state of New York, or the feds paying for that well-lit sign. It's one of those signs that glows in the dark. It's all lit up. That's what it is. Took it with this phone right here while I was sitting in the passenger seat. This stuff is real. All right. Check out this next one. Look at this next picture. Slide number four, please. Look at it. The immigration officials under Biden have encountered thousands of illegal aliens from countries that back Hamas. Listen, I've seen so much about this. Listen, 1.7 million gotaways last year alone. What's a gotaway? A gotaway is somebody who came into America, got across the border, and the government has lost complete, complete control, complete account, uh, accounting of them. 1.7 million. How many of them do you think are tied with Hamas or or? Hezbollah, or just a terror organization, Chinese national, uh, whatever it may be, a lot, 1.7 million, a lot. Uh, listen, it's been reported that only 25% of Muslims actually have this ideology to go around killing people, only 25%, only a quarter of them. Let's just say it was only 10%, just 10% out of what, 2 billion people in, in the world or something like that? How many, if there's only 10%, how many people would that be that have terrorist, or, uh, terrorist thoughts that want to kill you? A whole lot of people. What would that be, 200 million people? That's like over half the population of the United States. That is insane. And people say, oh, the, the, you know, you don't have to worry. Oh, oh no, you, you need to be concerned about it. All right, check this out. Damon Duck, love quoting him. This article, God's Glorious Plan, we'll post it tomorrow, but I found it today, too, on Rapture Ready. He wrote this on October 19th, so a couple weeks back. 
Israel Today posted an article by Charles Gardner, uh, author and founder of Christian Publications International, former reporter and correspondent, that says tyrants have tried to destroy the Jews before and suggests that Hamas killing rampage is a sure sign that God has a glorious plan in mind which the enemy, Satan, is determined to prevent. And Duck writes, I think Gardner is right, and here's my understanding of what he wrote. In Egypt, Pharaoh's order to, uh, to midwives attending women giving birth to cast Hebrew male babies into the river was an effort by Satan to prevent the first coming of Jesus by destroying the Jews, by killing them all. That's right. Uh, then he has, in the promised land, We'll go uh, after Egypt. Then you have the time of Esther. What was it? Let's kill all the Jews. Didn't work out for Haman. Listen, repeatedly, God will protect his people. And then he writes, in the promised land, Herod the Great was visited by wise men. Remember what Herod the Great said? Uh, Matthew chapter 2. It says, tell me where this king of the Jews is so I may worship him. He was a liar. What did he do? He wanted to eliminate the Jews. He wanted to eliminate any threat to his throne. So he had all the little baby boys, two years old and younger, slaughtered. In Bethlehem, uh, in Germany, after the Romans had destroyed Israel and scattered the Jews all over the world, Satan influenced Hitler to wipe out all of the Jews there. Didn't work out. Uh, in Gaza, Satan influenced Hamas to find ways to enter Israel, kill Jews, men, women, and children, uh, and try to stop the second coming of Jesus. But God has always acted when tyrants have tried to destroy all the Jewish people, and this gives us reason to believe that he will soon move forward with the next phase of his glorious plan. So be encouraged and expect to see another major fulfillment in Bible prophecy soon. Amen. Expect to see another. Listen, God steps in. God steps in. Listen, I'm going to show you a video. I showed this on uh, Thursday. You can't make this up uh, on my weekly You Can't Make This Up video that we do live on Thursdays. It's a short one. It's this cloud over the Sea of Galilee. It's worth seeing. Not reading any more into it uh, than it being the cloud that it appears. I mean, you, just, you see this thing, but it reminds me of the book of Exodus. Am I saying it's the book of Exodus? No. No, I'm not saying that at all. Um, but check out this cloud because this is really cool. You roll Insane this video. cloud over North Israel. Look at that. some type of covering cloud coming from the north. It's like the pillar of cloud in the Bible. It's insane. Huge. It's insane. It's insane. Look at that. That is a crazy cloud. I mean, I look at that and I think, man, God, thanks for just the reminder that you are with Israel as we are reminded time of Exodus that it was a pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night that led Israel and guided them. And it's just a reminder that God, listen, God doesn't sleep nor slumber. Israel will never be removed from the land again. Amos is very clear about that, the prophet is. And as, so as we look at this, listen, Israel's not going away. As much as the world is gathering against Israel, we're gonna to get to Russia in just a few minutes. Also, I want to show you some things going on there. Israel ain't going away. The Jews are not going away. Satan wants to eliminate them, but it's not going to happen. And we know that because of what the Bible says. But when you look at Daniel chapter 8, we get a really good preview of things to come. Although, in Daniel chapter 8, we are dealing with the past. You're going to hear these words. 
you're going to go, whoa, this sounds a lot like Antichrist who's coming. Check this out. Daniel chapter 8, verse 1, in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, to me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time. I saw in the vision, and so it happened, while I was looking, that I was in Shushan, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision that I was by the river Ulai. By the way, the province of Elam, Bill Salas talks a lot about the province of Elam when he deals with uh, Psalm 83, uh, Jeremiah chapter 49, and so forth. It's uh, worth looking into and seeing what he has to say. Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and there was standing beside the river, was a ram which had two horns, and the two horns were high. Uh, But one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward, northward, and southward, so that no animal could withstand him, nor was there any that could deliver from his hand. But he did according to his will and became great. Verse 5. You might be wondering where all this is going. Trust me, it's going somewhere. And I was considering suddenly a male goat came from the west across the surface of the whole earth without touching the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. And then he came to the ram that had two horns, which had been standing beside the river, and ran at him with furious power. And I saw him confronting the ram. He was moved with rage against him, attacked the ram, and broke his two horns. There was no power in the ram to withstand him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled him, and there was no one that could deliver the ram from his hand. Therefore, the male grew very great. But when he became strong, the large horn was broken, and in place of it, four notable horns came up toward the four winds of heaven. Interesting. Uh, So far, so what's going on here? So, so far, Daniel is talking about the Medo-Persian Empire that rose, and then the Persian Empire that was stronger, and then it gets eliminated by the Greek Empire. Alexander the Great dies, and then after Alexander the Great dies, he has these four horns, these four rulers that come up, come up out of the Greek Empire. Now, out, uh, and out of one of them, one of the four, came a little horn which grew extre- exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, toward the glorious land. So what is that? This little horn, remember, we've seen the picture of the little horn, chapter 7. What was it? Antichrist there. But this is not Antichrist like we think of in the future. However, what we see in this little horn, you look and you're going, this is, oh wow, we can see this. And we see this coming right now, although it's already been fulfilled. It's like history repeating itself. Okay, continues. And this little horn grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. Verse 11, he even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host. And by him, the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Wow, this sounds like Daniel chapter 9. Remember, the sacrifice is going to be taken away. The covenant is going to be uh, annulled at the midpoint. Remember that? So it sounds so similar, but it's not the same, but it's a definite preview of what is coming. So much so, so accurate is the book of Daniel. We take Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9. Many teachers will say, well, this is speaking of the same event. It's all past history. Well, we know it's not all past history. 
Daniel 8 is, Daniel 9 is not. And we know that because Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 24, when you see the abomination of desolation that Daniel wrote about. So Jesus was speaking in the future from when this was written about the Greek empire, what, about 200 years before Christ. Uh, and then you have the time of Maccabees that comes out of this and so forth. But then Jesus, you know, a couple hundred years later, is still talking about what is coming in the future with the abomination of desolation. With this little horn here, we see an abomination of desolation, but in chapter 9, we know it's going to happen again with Antichrist who is to come. And it grew up to the host of heaven. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of hosts, which I just read. Because of transgression, verse 12, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices, and he cast truth down to the ground. He did all of this, and he prospered. He cast truth down to the ground. What's happening in our culture right now? We have a war on truth, right? We know from the New Testament when it comes to the last days. People will not endure sound doctrine, 2 Timothy chapter 4, literally meaning they will not put up with the truth. Okay, so we have this with this Greek leader from way back then, who doesn't, who, who, who doesn't, he just, he uh, won't put up with the truth, right? His people are like that. They're going to attack the Jews. We'll see that by the time we get to the end here. But it's going to happen again. And we know from the uh, book of Daniel, when it comes to Antichrist, he's going to be pompous. He's going to speak of everything that, uh, uh, against everything that is of God, including his holy people that be us. But we also know that the sentiment of the general masses will be, even within the church, from 2 Timothy chapter 4, will be to not put up with the truth, will not endure sound doctrine, raise it for themselves teachers, basically to lie to them, not tell them the truth. So it's not just the leader, it's the people and even within the church. And we see these, uh, this type of movement, it's already taking place right now. Uh, continues, it, he, he, de- he does all these things, this leader does, Daniel chapter 8, and he prospers. Wow. <clears throat> Verse 13. He casts truth to the ground, puts an end to the sacrifices, and he prospers. Verse 13. Then I heard the whole, a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, how long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation? the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot. So what it appears you have here is two angels talking as the vision is being conveyed to Daniel. How long is this whole thing going to take place with this evil little horn who's trampling down truth, who is prospering over the people of God? He said to me, verse 14, 2,300 days then the sanctuary will be cleansed. That's going to enter us into next time, uh, the time of the Maccabeans, after we have our premiere. Listen, next Sunday night, we have a great premiere for you. But let's uh, work through uh, some of this. So we have this first vision, vision, uh, verses 1 through 4. It's the vision of the first animal. It is the ram. If you guys can pull up slide number 7, see what it says here. We have the vision in verse 1. We have the place in verse 2, and then we have the animal in verses 3 and and 4. So what do we have with the vision? Well, Daniel's got this vision, verse 1, right? The place Shushan, 
what would be Shushan that's part of, uh, as part of the Persian Empire. Um, it would be that capital. We think of Babylon as the capital of the Babylonian Empire. Shushan or Susa, you could think of it as the capital of the Persian Empire. Um, in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, for example, Nehemiah said, It came to pass in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel. So after uh, what, what Nehemiah was talking about was what took place um, during the Medo-Persian Empire, and then uh, Nehemiah is able to go back and build the wall around um, the city of Jerusalem. And that took place in this empire right here that we're reading about in verses 1 through 4, during that time frame. So we have uh, the, the vision, we have the place, it's in the capital of the Medo-Persian Empire. Then we have the animal, the animal is this ram, and interesting, notice it has two horns, and it has one horn that's higher than the other. What represented, the two horns represent the Medo-Persian Empire. So we have the two horns, and also one horn is higher than the other, signifying one of the kingdoms is stronger than the other. It, be, it is the Persian Empire, which is the much stronger dominant empire that eventually dominates the Medes. It's also interesting that Daniel saw a ram in this vision as representing the Persian Empire. Look at this, slide number eight. You guys can pull up slide number eight. Look at this. Amnes Marcellinus, Marcellinus, a fourth century historian, stated that the Persian ruler bore the head of a ram as he stood at the head of his army. Interesting. So Daniel, he says, hey, uh, I saw this ram, all right? So you have that. Again, a Persian ruler would wear the head of a ram as he'd stand before the army. Now check this out. Next slide, slide number nine. Uh, this is uh, Lima Strauss who points out the ram was the national emblem of Persia and a ram being stamped on Persian coins as well on the headdress of, of, of uh, Persian empires. All right, so we have that. But now the vision continues. And what do we have next? We have, you can see here, we have slide number 10, if you guys can pull it up. We have the ram, verses one through four. And then we have the goat. Interesting Verses five through eight, goat in our terms, if you're thinking of somebody who's playing sports, G-O-A-T, greatest of all time in, in English. And as we look at this here, in the time that Daniel is writing, we would say goat, G-O-A-T, greatest of all time when it came to these rulers. Who is Daniel writing about here? Verses five through eight, he's writing about um, uh, Alexander the Great. In fact, this is interesting with Alexander the Great. Daniel is so accurate in what he's writing that most historians and Bible scholars alike say Daniel has to be a book that was written after this guy Daniel. There's no way this was written during the time of the Babylonians or during the time of the Persian Empire. No way it was written then. It had to all have been written after the, after the fact, right? But Daniel's, he's in the Babylonian Empire. He projects the Medo-Persian Empire. Then he projects into the goat, Alexander the Great, greatest of all time. That's how, how Daniel sees it. Listen, I say that's hogwash when people say, 
Daniel was written after the fact. No, Daniel was ministered to by God, and God showed Daniel what was coming. Think of this. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 through 11, where God says this, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Indeed, I have spoken it, I will bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will do it. Listen, take it to heart. With everything that's in this book, God says, I've spoken it, I will bring it to pass. It's going to happen exactly like I say it is going to happen. This is what Bible prophecy does. It tells us what is coming before it comes. By the way, I want to caution you just for a second, and then I'm going to show you some things that we really got to see. What's going on with Putin and some other things? We really got to see. But I want to caution you on this. I tell people this a lot, that when it comes to prophecy, the prophecy world, it tends to come in three different categories. One of them is science fiction, and things People will take a verse out of the Bible and build in it. They'll write books on one verse that have to do with something that is really, you look, you go, that's science fiction. Come on. What does the Bible actually teach about this, right? So see if the Bible teaches, and then we go with that. And then we're able to write about it and teach on it and and that kind, kind of thing. But the prophecy circles tend to fall into one of three categories science fiction. Uh, A second category is predictions. There's always predictions, always predictions. Somebody always has visions and so forth, and they've got all these predictions going on. And then there's a third category, which I prefer to stick with, is Bible prophecy. What does the Bible say? Well, the Bible tells us the end from the beginning, as God says, I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. I have spoken it. My counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. So the Bible tells us what is coming. And if we read the Bible, we can get it. We might not know all the exact details, what minute, what hour, how this will go, how this, but we know exactly how it's going to end. We know Russia, Persia, and Turkey are going to be aligned and other countries come against Israel. We, we know certain things. We know an antichrist. We know a false prophet. We see the dynamics of uh, what the church is going to be like in the last days. Uh, we, we know that people are going to be told that you can't eat meat in the last days. I mean, there's so many different things that we can put together. And, and, and what's, what I find really fascinating is when you understand Bible prophecy, you know that it has to do that Jerusalem is the centerpiece. It's the bullseye. All the world's attention is going to be on Jerusalem, but God is going to save the Jews. He's going to save Jerusalem, and Jesus is going to come back and rule from Jerusalem. But right now, I want to show you a couple of things. So check this out. Uh, If you can go to slide number 11, look at this one. Good old Pope. Look at this. uh, The Pope spoke to Palestinian Authorities President Abbas on Thursday. Let me ask you this. What do you think? Uh, they were talking about, I guarantee you they were talking about Israel. I guarantee you they were talking about peace, how we got to divide the land. This is, the, by the way, this is the talk of the Biden administration. I'm going to go there in just a second also. But you'll look at that. Tomorrow, Billy and I will be talking about the Pope. Join us if you can. It's going to be a great program. We're talking about the Pope. We're also going to be talking about uh, the Fourth Reich with Klaus Schwab. Let me show you this uh, 
next one, this next slide, slide number 12. You can check this one out. Look at this. I showed this on uh, Thursday also, and you can't make this up. But there it is. Taking on hate is a national priority. I mean, this is one of those you go, you can't make this up. Today, this is Kamala Harris, you know, crazy Kamala. Don't know how else to say it. That's being nice. Some of you might say I'm mean, but that's about as nice as I can get with her. Taking on hate is a national priority today. President of the United States and I are announcing the country's first national strategy to counter Islamophobia. This action is the latest step forward in our work to combat, uh, combat a surge of hate in America. This is insane to me. Everybody knows that Islamophobia is virtually non-existent. We see anti-Semitism rising up all over the world. What does the Biden administration do? We got to combat Islamophobia. No, it's a lie. This is intended to gaslight you, to make you go crazy. This is insane. This is total insane. But these people are wicked. These people are evil. evil. And then we check this out. Look at this next one. Slide number 13. Pull this up. Check it out. Biden betrays Israel, threatening to veto $14.5 billion in a military aid package passed by the House. It's a terrible mistake. Joel Rosenberg wrote this. He wrote, you've got to be kidding me. Listen, we, listen if you followed us and a few of my friends, we've been saying that the Biden administration has no good uh, thoughts toward Israel. They didn't before this began. And, we, and Caroline Glick has been doing all kinds of videos and writing about what's really going on with the, the, the aid package to Israel. It's not, what's, not what we are being told, and we've been warning people. So Joel Rosenberg even said, you got to be kidding me. U.S. President Biden is actually threatening to veto emergency military aid to Israel. Has he completely lost his mind? Biden just flew over. Yeah, he had actually lost his mind a long time ago. That's another story. Biden just flew over here and vowed to have our back in this ghastly war, come what may. Setting aside all partisanship, I thanked him for doing so, writing on all Israel news that Biden deserved credit both for being the first American president to come to Israel during the hot war and for pledging to provide the weapons and ammo and other assistance we need to achieve a decisive victory of our savage enemies. But now Biden is betraying Israel by threatening to create partisan fight over a simple standalone package, uh, uh, aid package. This is wrong. Listen, we've been talking about this and saying it's not what it seems. Biden and Blinken and that whole group of them, Islamic, uh, Islamophobia they're talking about. Well, well, uh, there's anti-Semitism all over the world and Israel's being threatened. And suddenly the Biden administration says, well, We'll let you have some weapons, but uh, let's, let's do this aid thing. Let's work this out a little bit different. In fact, you got to create this special thing for the Palestinian people, which is really, you got to cre- uh, cre- uh, 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 create this special thing to give aid to Hamas if we're going to help you guys out. That's what's really going on. Biden administration doesn't care about Israel at all. They didn't care about him before. They don't care about him now. They're not going to care about him in the future. We got this evil plan toward Israel from the Biden administration. That is what we actually have. Don't kid yourself. Nuts. The whole thing's just absolutely nuts. And we know from Jeremiah, uh, uh, excuse me, Zechariah chapter 12, that all the world is going to turn against Israel. All right, I'm going to show you one more. You ready for this one? Good old Putin. 
Look at this one with Putin. There it is. Putin's move to secure Libya bases in new regional challenge for U.S. European allies. Let me read this to you. If you guys are familiar with Ezekiel 38, you're going, you, you, you got your ears up and you're going, ah, oh, this is very interesting. Russia is moving to expand its military presence in eastern Libya, a plan that could lead to a naval base, giving it a significant foothold on Europe's southern doorstep, a defense Accord is being hammered out between Russian President Vladimir Putin and Libya's Eastern military commander Khalifa Haftar following their meeting in Moscow in late September. Late September, that was pre-October 7th. Ah, pre-the invasion of Israel. Interesting. They met in September. According to people briefed on the matter who asked not to be identified uh, discussing sensitive issues because they don't want to have their heads cut off. That's why. Uh, for the latest headlines... Continues, uh, the escalation of Russian activity in Libya uh, represents a fresh challenge to the U.S. and its European allies, which are already locked in a standoff with the Kremlin over its invasion of Ukraine and the country's potential role in a, any wider Middle East conflict stemming from Israel-Hamas war. Russia has been heavily active in neighboring Syria throughout that country's decade-long war. No kidding. So now Putin, okay, so here's what the Bible teaches us, right? Whatever your position is on Psalm 83, Isaiah chapter 17, destruction of Damascus, Jeremiah chapter 49, the hit that, uh, that Iran slash Persia takes, whatever your position is on that, the way I see it and the way I've seen it is Israel's going to come to the other side of this current war. And they're going to be forced into a really bad peace deal. Um, will the immediate one be the peace deal with the devil, the Antichrist? I don't know. But they're going to be forced into a peace deal, a peace and safety deal. Uh, we already know the Biden administration is saying you got to divide the land of Israel. Uh, uh, Daniel chapter 11 talks about Antichrist dividing the land for gain, right? So it's talking specifically about Jerusalem when you look at it. But nevertheless, you're going to divide the land. A two-state solution. Um, but the pressure against Israel is going to be so intense that when this is all said and done, listen, Israel is going to come out ahead. But the pressure from world leaders against Israel to comply, I, I think it's going to be too great for Israel to not um, just be manipulated uh, by world leaders. Uh, they want to get along, peace at any cost. So they're going to enter into some type of peace deal, peace and safety deal. I don't know when, but I do believe the talking points from this current war will be used in a future peace deal. Whichever peace deal that may be, whichever peace and safety deal that may be, it's coming, it's coming. Okay, now with Ezekiel chapter 38, what's interesting, when you look at the nations that are involved coming against Israel, you have them from the north, Turkey, Persia, and Russia, who are now all buddies, by the way, Russia is speaking out against Israel, but you also have, uh, um, from the south, you have Libya that's involved. You have the Sudan that's involved, and Sudan is already working with Russia. So Russia has to have this, this uh, 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 group that they meet with, that they form a pact with, which includes Libya, Sudan, Persia, Turkey, and Russia, and you're going... You can't make this up. As you look at what Putin's doing now, 
But Putin, here's, a, here's one of the, the monkey wrenches in all this. Putin has made it very clear as of the last couple of weeks he's against Israel. He started to really say, I've had enough of this Israel stuff. It appears, though, when Ezekiel 38 happens, Israel's in a time of peace. And they trust, they're surprised when Russia comes against them. Right now, Israel wouldn't be surprised if anybody came against them. Except maybe Biden. Um, but they, they just wouldn't be surprised, right? So, because they're expecting, and now Putin's talking. So something's going to give, I don't know when. I don't know if it's this week. I don't know if it's next year. But something's going to give that's going to lead Israel to this place where the Ezekiel 38 battle will eventually come and all of the nations are lining up. And folks, it is, uh, it is really, really fascinating just to see all of it take place. By the way, uh, again, before we get back to Daniel 8, um, uh, tomorrow, Billy Crone's joining me. Tuesday, uh, Lee Brainerd, I thought it was J.B. Hickson. Lee Brainerd's joining me on Tuesday. And then also Brandon Holthouse is going to be joining me on Wednesday. So hope that you can join us. It's going to be an absolutely terrific week. Again, Billy Monday, Lee Brainerd Tuesday, Brandon on, um, uh, on Wednesday. Okay, so back to Daniel chapter 8. So we see all of this taking place. We have Bible prophecy so we can know. Daniel was given prophecy about uh, the uh, Greek empire and what was coming. And it was called the... the the, uh, so the animal that he saw was the goat. Now, why was it the goat? And specifically, the goat would apply to Alexander the Great. So why is that? Well, the identification of the Greek Empire is based upon, uh, based upon this, this animal, the goat, is pretty simple. Um, it, it's another reason, by the way, why historians and some Bible scholars say Daniel had to be written after the fact Daniel's just too accurate. But note that the first, check it out, listen to this. Why a goat representing Greece? The first Greek colony was established by an oracle that sent a goat, now I'm not kidding, for a ride, for a, a guide to build a city. The goat came to the region of Greece, and that was it. Interesting, let's use a goat to decide where we're going to build the city. This is how it became identified with the goat, and that's how it was in world history. And in gratitude, get this, for the goats leading them in the right direction, if you guys can pull up slide number 15, check this out, they called the city Age, meaning, um, or Age, meaning the goat city, hence, get this, hence, even today, the name of the sea upon whose shores the city was built is named the Aegean Sea or the Goat Sea. In fact, we have a Footsteps of Paul Cruz coming up next year, end of next year. I'm looking forward to that. And it'll be part of the Aegean Sea. And we also have, by the way, if you can join us and you're thinking, man, if you want to join us for a great time coming up in June, Jeff Kinley, Bill Koenig, um, uh, David Reagan, uh, I miss it, uh, Alex Newman, uh, and myself. Listen, we have the Until He Comes uh, prophecy cruise that's coming up where we're going to get away, get great instruction. We're going to have a really good time of fellowship, 
and just be able to get our heads wrapped around things and be able to encourage one another and minister to one another. And if you can, uh, listen, you'll, you'll have a, a great time if you can get away from that. That's coming up in June. So, um, but uh, that's going to be great. Check it out. Go to hopeforourtimes.com and check it out. All right. So you look at the sea, even the sea, the Aegean Sea or the Goat Sea is what that means. Okay. So it's extremely accurate. Now, check this out. Still have a couple of minutes left. Not many left. I want to get to a couple of your questions, some of your questions. Um, I, I tell you what, I'm going to skip ahead. I want to get to something, and then I'm going to get to your questions. I'm going to come back next week and cover some of, some of the things that we didn't look at yet. All right. I want to bounce ahead because uh, here, here it is in a nutshell. After Alexander the Great dies... His kingdom is divided up between his uh, four generals. In fact, um, that's one of the things that is uh, prophesied here. Uh, in verse 8, it says this, And out of, uh, uh, therefore, the male goat, that be Alexander the Great, grew very great. But when he became strong, the large horn, that be Alexander the Great, was broken, and in place of it, four notable horns came up toward the four winds of heaven. So it went, uh, and what this is speaking of was the four generals that came up under the kingdom after Alexander the Great died. Alexander the Great died at the age of 33. Um, by the way, uh, very interesting. It says he, he died uh, from his own drunkenness and depression. Likely, uh, why was he uh, given to drunkenness and depression? Likely because shortly before his death, he was seen weeping loudly because there were no more worlds to conquer. He had conquered everything so rapidly at 33 years old. He conquered what would have been that known world at that time. Truly amazing. But he dies, right? 33 years old. He has four generals that take over, uh, take over uh, the Greek Empire, north, south, east, and west. Out of the Seleucid Empire raises up this guy. Let me get his name for you. His name, uh, he's known, uh, slide number 24, if you guys can pull that up, as uh, Antiochus, uh, slide, there it is, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, meaning uh, Antiochus God manifest. So Antiochus Epiphanes comes out of the Seleucid Empire. He thinks so highly of himself that he says, hey, I am God manifest. That is radical. That is crazy. Herein, this guy, we got, we'll spend more time on him next time. But this guy gives us an insight to Antichrist that nobody else can. The typology is absolutely off the charts. It says here in verse 9, uh, it says, out of one of them, out of the four generals came a little horn, Remember, uh, Antichrist of Daniel chapter 7 is also called the little horn. This type of Antichrist is called little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. What's the glorious land? The glorious land is the land of Israel. Now, check this out. Like Antichrist, who will claim to be God, this guy claimed to be God manifest. Remember, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, Antichrist, a lawless one, is going to sit in the temple of God demanding that he is worshipped and called 
God. So we have this typology with this guy. Listen, there's so many Bible teachers out there that say, this stuff isn't true about an antichrist that is coming. Yes, and they'll say it all goes back to Antiochus. No, it doesn't. Jesus prophesied into the future a couple hundred years later. Um, same thing with Paul the Apostle, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 4. All these different prophecies about what is to come. But you look back at Antiochus and you go, wow, this is truly gives us an insight. Listen to this. After trying to conquer the world, but being stopped by Roman, the Roman armies, Antiochus, this is what he did. He's angry. He's bitter. He turns his fury toward Jerusalem. He killed 80,000 Jews. He sold 40,000 into slavery. He set out. Now, here's the deal with Antiochus. He set out. Think of today. He set out to rid the world of the Jewish religion and the Jews. Friends, we see this happening now. The spirit of Antichrist is alive all over the world right now and is coming a different little horn. Not this one of Daniel chapter 8, but the little horn of Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 8, he's a type of Antichrist that's coming. Daniel chapter 7 is the Antichrist who is coming, who's, who's already got this sentiment with people throughout the world to rid the world of Jews and the Jewish religion, so much so that Kamala Harris and Joe Biden here in the United States of America are gaslighting everybody by saying, hey, Islamophobia is the problem. What a lie when they know, but they won't admit it. Listen, they're going to pay. If they don't turn to Christ, they don't repent, they're going to pay. They're going to be judged. God's going to judge them. So I turn them over to God. They'll deal with that on that day. It's terrible. Now listen, with Antiochus, instead of the Feast of Tabernacles, he brought into the temple the Feast of Bacchanalia. This is interesting, because we also know with Antichrist, he's going to attempt to change the times and the seasons. And many teachers have thought, uh, speaking of times and seasons, speaking of the Jewish feast days, well, Antiochus did that. Uh, the worship of Bacchus, that's what he brought into the temple in Jerusalem. Instead of the Feast of Tabernacles, he forbade the observance of Sabbath, Shabbat, and the reading of Scripture. He burnt every copy of the Torah that he could find. Now listen to this. If we can get a visual from this, just what we've seen in the news, but if the, listen to the, how this goes. If the Jews worshipped or practiced anything Jewish, they were executed. So Antichrist is going to be just like that. And again, the 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 spiritual climate of the world right now, I'm telling you, it's just being prepared for that Antichrist who's going to come, and we see it with Antiochus. Okay, now look at this. The Jews were forbidden the practice of circumcision under him, and history records that there were two mothers who, because of their deep commitment to their culture, circumcised their boys. When Antiochus heard about it, he took the babies and killed them, Listen, we saw this kind of stuff just last week. He took the babies and killed them, and he hung them around each mother's neck, marched them, the women, through the streets of Jerusalem up to the highest wall, and there the women and their babies were thrown headlong over the precipice. We, this is what he was doing. Friends, we have seen this horror again. We've seen it play out. Another is recorded, and another time with Antiochus, it's recorded that there's a mother who had seven sons, who defied Antiochus' law regarding worship. This is sick. 
But again, when we saw what Hamas did, you go, I've seen it in action. So he cut out their tongues seven times in front of their mother and fried them to death on a flat iron one at a time, and then the mother was murdered. Wow. It's no wonder that the Jews hated that ruler. But listen, and you have the Maccabees, the time of the Maccabees that comes out of this guy. We'll get to that later. But I look at this, and you look at where we are right now, and you go, Man, we can see this. We can see the, 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 the spiritual climate right now, the things that people are doing. It fits the time of Daniel chapter 8. It fits the time of Daniel chapter 7. It fits the New Testament warnings. It fits the Old Testament warnings about what the world is going to be like as that day approaches. And friends, we are rapidly approaching that Day. I want to pull this up. I want to get to your questions. If you guys, listen, send them on in to me. I can pull them up. I can see them right now. Um, put the word question in all caps, and uh, here it is. Uh, Nadia, Nadia, I'm, I'm thinking I said that right, Nadia, said, it seems like Antichrist was there, Alexander the Great. Uh, did it all happen? Um, so uh, it was... Uh, not Alexander the Great. After Alexander the Great died, this guy Antiochus comes up out of the kingdom, the former kingdom of Alexander the Great, the Greek Empire. He comes up out of that, this guy Antiochus. Now we know that he wasn't the Antichrist to come because a couple hundred years after the events that I just read about with Antiochus, Jesus comes along and he says this in uh, Matthew chapter 24, I'll read it to you. He says this, and this validates, by the way, Jesus validates the book of Daniel as being real and that there's an antichrist coming. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee the mountains to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those that are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be Shorten. Verse 25, Jesus then said, see, I have told you these things beforehand. I've told you these things beforehand. All right. So I look at this and think, look, folks, Jesus said, when you go back to Antiochus, who we just read about, it was horrific what he did. He was a type of what Jesus just said here. But these are the words of Jesus. And I have people who teach the Bible say, this isn't really going to happen. Well, then Jesus is a liar. This is going to happen just like Jesus says, and Jesus is projecting into the future for what is coming again. We have the Bible that tells us what is coming. God is going to do all of his pleasure. He said, I have spoken it. Isaiah chapter 46, look it up. I have spoken it, therefore I will do it. God says it's going to happen just like that. Uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, 70 weeks are determined for your people for your holy city to bring an end to transgression, an end to sin, bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy. God's prophecies are going to be fulfilled 
And, and God even says it's determined. God is one who's determined it. God is moving his prophetic, all, all prophecy to his conclusion that he has on his calendar, his prophetic calendar. That's what's going on, folks. So as we see this and we start looking at the anti-Semitism growing in the world, wow. I mean, what, a, what an eye-opener just the last few weeks has been. And, and I want to I warn you on this. Do you remember back in August? When people were predicting the rapture, remember that rapture is going to take place September of 2023. And I warned you guys against that. And some of you appreciated it. Some of you got really mad at me. So I'm never following you again. A lot of people unfollowed, unsubscribed, you know, whatever. But I warned and I said, listen, we need to be prepared. We don't know when the rapture is going to be. But if it doesn't come for a year or six months or two years or five years, things are going to get worse and it's going to be harder. And we have seen it in the last few weeks escalate to a place that we've never seen before, especially if you get the Bible, if you, you love God's word, you understand the prophetic word that Jesus is coming back, you understand God's covenant that he made with Israel, and Israel is always going to exist. God says, I will never abandon my people Israel. But we've seen how much worse everything has gotten at the same time, how much faster paced just in the last three weeks alone, God is moving everything. He has determined. Seventy weeks are determined. Daniel, I'm determined to fulfill it. I'm determined to bring about the 70th week. Jesus himself, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, flee. And we've seen what's happened in Israel. You can see the horrific things that have happened. And you can imagine when Antichrist comes, people are going to need to heed Jesus' words. We need to flee. And I'm telling you, when this whole thing has gone through, the current events in Israel, the war in Israel that's going on, listen, I'm going to get through it. The world pressure against Israel to say, never again. That'll never happen again. They'll be spun something like this. You guys, you just say never again about the Holocaust, and all the world says never again another war like that one that you just had. We can't risk it anymore. Let's enter into a peace covenant. What do you guys need? And do we do a two-state solution? On down. This is coming, folks. I don't know the date, don't know the hour, but I do know it's coming because the Bible tells us there's going to be a covenant uh, that's going to be confirmed by Antichrist and with the many. Isaiah chapter 28 is very specific. The rulers of Jerusalem are going to be the ones who agree to this covenant. Uh, so we know that's all, it, it's going to be fulfilled exactly as the Bible says. First Thessalonians chapter 5 lets us know when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them and they shall not escape. Uh, so we know this peace and security is coming. It's going to be fake. It's going to be short-lived, but um, it's going to be, it's going to be so deceiving. And I believe personally that what's coming is going to be very deceiving. All right, that was a very long answer to a very short question. All right, any more questions here? Okay. Uh, Good Breakfast says, how quick of a timeline could Israel have success in subbing evil in their land? Loaded question, I know. Uh, I'm not sure what you mean by subbing evil in uh, their land. If, if uh, maybe one of my guys can figure it out and put it up on, um, uh, put it up on the, the screen for me so I can get to it. That's a question from Good Breakfast. I don't want to miss your question because I think there's some things in there I want to answer, but I just want to make sure uh, I want to get it right. Saul to Paul says, imagine dividing the Temple Mount. Uh, listen, um, 
as we, we know uh, with, when it comes to the Temple Mount, um, uh, we know from Revelation chapter 11, for example, there's going to be a temple that's going to be built. The outside of the temple is going to be given over to the Gentiles, right? In fact, let me read it to you. It, it's just one of the many passages that let us know that the temple will be built. By the way, you guys probably got friends like I have, friends, family members, and so forth that say, you, can't, you don't actually believe there's going to be a temple that's going to be built. Listen, I do believe it because the Bible says it. I live on what the Bible actually says. That's how I'm able to live today, and that's how I'm able to live tomorrow, and that's how I've um, that's how I, um, I forgot. Um, that's how I, I know I'm forgiven of my past sins. Okay. Good breakfast. Okay. I think I got the clarification here. Uh, let me go back to it. I got to find the question again. It was somewhere in here. Okay. How quick of a timeline could Israel have success in subduing evil in their land? That's a load of good breakfast. That's a really good question because I've been, okay, here's where I've been trying to figure out this from this perspective, right? If in, and, and it's hard. In fact, I was going back and forth with one of my friends that works with Homeland Security earlier today, and it kind of went along these same lines. And when you look at it, you go, okay, Israel has to get to a place of peace and security before the Russian invasion. Uh, some people have a different interpretation of when Russia invades. You start going, how's Israel going to get there? Can they ever trust anybody after what's just happened? Because we've even seen what Saudi Arabia is doing against Israel, right? But very interesting, we still stick by what the Bible says. In Ezekiel chapter 38, Sheba and Dedan representing Saudi Arabia, they protest against the invasion of Israel. Right now, Saudi Arabia is protesting against Israel for the invasion that's come to them. So it's going to be flipped. And I, I, I couldn't say that based upon my emotion or based upon what I see in the news every day, but I say it based upon what the Bible says. But how soon could this possibly be? I'm going to guess uh, they could subdue the evil in their land really quick. I have one Israeli friend that has texted me several times in the last few days, said they on the inside believe that they're going to be able to get this subdued, the immediate problem by the end of November. It's only a few weeks away. And I think uh, that would be pretty cool. Others say it's not gonna happen like that. Uh, it looks like Hezbollah backed off. I know with uh, the Houthis, they launched some rockets down in the south. I saw near Elot, some landed and so forth. So we have this, but if, depending on which source you read, and I, and by the way, Caroline Glick, again, is fantastic, but if Israel is able to just press forward and not listen to Biden and lay down your weapons and do what they need to do and eliminate Hamas, just completely eliminate them, they can send a message to all of the other terror groups, Hezbollah, um, the Houthis, and so forth, say, you, 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 we'll do the same to you. In fact, they've already said to Hezbollah, we will level Lebanon if you come after us. So you notice how the leader Nasrallah from uh, Hezbollah the other day said, uh, well, we're just mad at all you Jews. That's basically all he said. You Jews are terrible. You Jews killed all your own people and blamed it on Hamas. I mean, what a, what a stinking liar. You know, so you see this and go, uh, but, but I don't know. So good breakfast, how soon could they subdue? I guess it depends on which commentator that you listen to. Personally, 
if they don't bow to Biden, they could deal with Hamas rather rapidly. Um, I don't see how they're going to be able to keep them subdued unless they completely take over Gaza to the way it was before, back in 2004, before they gave it over to the Palestinians slash Hamas in 2005. They need to take it over again. I don't see any other way it could happen. Got to take it over again. They would have peace within their walls if they did something like that. Then they can deal with the problem in Judea and Samaria, a.k.a. the West Bank. Angela says, do you think that this war is the opportunity for Antichrist to show up offering solutions for peace? Angela, I don't know. Could be, but um, I don't know. I, I do think, I'm. listen, something to think about. Before Antichrist shows up on the scene, just something to think about. All the infrastructure for everything has to be in place. By the way, let, let, let me read this to you. Then I'll, I'll, I'll close after this because this is worth reading as soon as I find where I put it. Um, here it is, right? Check this out because all the infrastructure has to be in place. So you, that includes um, digital currency. It includes all this ID tracking, everything, right? And I think I told you guys, and all you guys in Europe, Ireland, Scotland, Italy that we saw, God bless you guys. I need to do a video just for you guys because you guys were. it was great seeing all of you uh, when we were there. I was so blessed. And as most of you guys in Europe know, we were, uh, our flight was canceled coming home from Europe. And we were able to get one two and a half days later, but we had to do contact tracing. Now that's another story. So the global ID stuff is still pushing forward and everything. Now listen to this. You ready? Concerning world government rights, Damon Duck, in a video released on October 26th, so what, about a week and a half ago, Tedros, Dr. Tedros, the head of the World Health Organization, get this, urged nations to quickly, quickly, it's kind of like while nobody's looking, think of it that way, that's the way I look at this, ratify the World Health Organization amendments to the pandemic accords and the international health regulations with accountable implementation. If the nations ratify these documents, many experts say the nations will lose their sovereignty during a declared emergency and the World Health Organization will control the healthcare of everyone on earth and, I, and some other things. The WHO will be authorized to decide what is a pandemic, when it begins, when it ends, penalize nations that, they, that do not obey and retain its global power for as long as it wants. So everything is moving forward, right? So if, if back to your question about Antichrist, listen, before Antichrist, I believe, appears, the entire infrastructure has to be built. Is it built? Maybe it is. It might be built. It's close to it. I think it's close to it. There's still some hiccups. There's a lot of resistance out there, uh, and the resistance is growing. But everything that's happening right now with Israel is totally distracting. It's distracting the whole world. So with that, this is, uh, Angela, what I do believe is going to happen, this current war will be used as the talking point or talking points against Israel in the future. I don't know when, but it will be, look, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you say, you Jews say never again with the Holocaust. We say never again with a war like that because you risk World War III. Ah, push them into a corner. And then you have Isaiah 28 and Daniel chapter 9 just around the corner, uh, Israel entering into uh, this, this agreement. So I can see it coming. Don't know when. Don't know the day. Don't know the hour. Israel could lay down their arms in a ceasefire tomorrow. I don't think they will. They could. But eventually, this peace and safety agreement is going to come up, 
and eventually it's going to lead to Antichrist who's going to confirm it. So just don't know when. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.